Iowa everywhere. Ready, Hawk fans? John Miller is going in-depth with analysis and breakdown. Answers, insights, and a look ahead to next week. It's Hawkeye Sunday with John Miller. Only on Iowa Everywhere. Reaction podcast following Iowa's 10-7 loss against Iowa State. Lost is a game. Lost is a trophy. Lost is passion. Lost is a clue. Lost. Everything feels lost right now. I suspect many of you would agree with that. You know, there are a lot of things that that game was that this team is or seems to be but let me start by giving you some thoughts of what in my opinion this isn't this situation that Iowa is in right now at quarterback this isn't Kirk Ferentz sticking with Jake Christensen too long in 2008 this may be a gut feeling like Kirk Ferentz said at halftime of the Pittsburgh game as to why he went with Jake Christensen in that second half, a game that Iowa would lose uh, at Pitt by a score of 21 to 20. This this isn't that. Um, that 2008 Iowa offensive line was probably one of the four best offensive line units of the Kirk Ferentz era. That. Iowa offense in those first four games averaged nearly 400 yards per game. This Iowa offense is averaging around 158 after two games. If Iowa could average three, if Iowa could put up 390 yards against Nevada, you could probably knock me over with some bad breath. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think this is a make a change at quarterback and boy, watch them go. Uh, This isn't an offense you would want to have to recruit to if your job depended on it. And some of these Iowa coaches, their job does depend on it. I mean, how do you convince, age old problem, how do you convince a receiver to want to come play football at Iowa? And given the very poor play of the offensive line, not just these first two games this year, but most all of last year, gosh, is Midas losing his touch? I don't know. Is this an overreaction to two games? Maybe. But this is the most inept Start offensively to an Iowa football season, probably in my lifetime, potentially since they switched from leather helmets to plastic ones and actually wore face masks. Now, I don't have the statistics at my fingertips to back that up. I just can't imagine a more pathetic start to a season by an Iowa offense than 
just one touchdown in two games, and let's be honest, Iowa's one touchdown today was a two-play 16-yard drive that was set up by a punt block. His offense hasn't driven the ball for a touchdown yet in reality. This also isn't an offense that wins games. The Iowa defense and special teams wins games. They were 10-2 and two at one point last year before losing to Michigan in the Big Ten Championship and then Kentucky in the bowl game to finish 10-4. and four. But that wasn't because of the offense. It was in spite of the offense. 10-4 and four in spite of the offense. And I can go back and listen to the podcast that I recorded following the game against Kentucky saying that this just wasn't any fun. And I've said a few times this offseason that a part of my fandom kind of died last year because they were so boring and ineffective to watch offensively. And boy, was I unaware that they could take it another level lower. And I shouldn't use the term they. That creates collateral damage on innocent people. Kirk Ferentz, he's the architect No, he's not the coordinator, but I also would say that this isn't an offensive philosophy I would wish on an enemy, much less force my own son to work within those constraints, those confines that, you know, offense is a, is a four letter word and bad things can happen and do no harm and stay out of the way of the defense. I mean, today, or I record this on Saturday evening. So it is today as I record this. Kirk came out of halftime, and when he had Spencer Petras starting that second half, I tweeted because it made me think, well, Kirk thinks that he can boa constrictor or python this one and get by and move on down the road at 2-0 and and then maybe make some changes for Nevada and the rest of the season. I believe that he thought that. Well, he was wrong. And, and honestly... If Iowa won this game, they didn't deserve it for one. And uh, Justin Van Lair on Twitter, many of you know him or remember him as Storm and Spank from message boards and Twitter. He posted what I thought was an interesting philosophical question when he said, I'm not mad. I'm not even disappointed. Iowa deserved to lose. Iowa needed to lose. The Iowa needed to lose point was something that I thought about. Because had they won this game that they did not deserve to win due to the offensive ineptitude and lack of imagination, does Kirk just smirk and move on down the road? Now, that's not to suggest that because of this loss, wholesale changes, philosophical changes, Tide shifts are in the offing because I don't believe that. This is what, year 24? And Lucy has pulled that figurative football away from me numerous times in the past. I'm not falling for it again. But this offense is ossified. This offense is archaic. There are not many programs in the sport today that do things similar to how Iowa does them with the exception top of head Nebraska or not Nebraska rather Wisconsin and some of the service academies 
And Wisconsin just does it better, even though they did lose today to Washington State at home, and that is a big ouch. But I can't even enjoy that. I can't even enjoy the fact that Notre Dame lost a home game today to a team that they shouldn't have lost to. Marshall? That's an ouch. There were a number of losses today that I would have partaken in my normal Schadenfreude. Is that, is that how you say it? Schadenfreude? German word. I didn't take German in college. Basically, when you take joy in the losses or pain of other fan bases and you run smack, that's what I'm talking about. Wouldn't dream of doing any of that today because Iowa and their offense after being the laughing stock of college football last week, they once again put themselves square in the headlights of being the laughing stock for two weeks in a row, if not the main laughing stock, one of the sidebars this week, because there may be a lot of room to go around. I mean, Wisconsin losing at home to Washington State is going to leave a mark. And then we're facing down the barrel of a potential Minnesota winning the Big Ten West. I mean, I'll believe it when I see it, but geez. But the biggest thing for me that this isn't is this isn't fun. This feels compulsory to me at this point in time. I've been a fan of Iowa football for over 40 years. I've watched 95% of their games. Well, maybe 90% because not all the games are on television in the 80s, but I'd say probably close to 90% of Iowa's football games since 1981. And if I did the ones I didn't watch, I bet I listened to the 80% that I didn't watch. This isn't fun. When you are putting up 150 yards against your in-state rival, that's not fun. When you put up 166 the week before against South Dakota State, that's not fun. When you're 3-11 and on third downs, when your offense is so pathetic that it allows Iowa State to have a 38-21 to time of possession advantage, roughly, that's not fun. When Iowa State runs 79 plays to 52 for Iowa, that's not fun. And you know what? Iowa has won games with those numbers in the past. I mean, I I can't remember exactly what the stat was after last week's loss to South Dakota State, but that the last team to win a game in the FBS by a team whose offense, the winning team whose offense had less than like 180 yards was Iowa last year against Iowa State. And it was shaping up to be something like that. Again, Iowa State had two punts blocked. I wonder what percent of team what percentage of teams win games when they have two or more punts blocked. I bet it's maybe less than 10%, maybe less than 5%. Iowa State also had a turnover on the goal line. Two punts blocked, turnover on the goal line, fumble and two interceptions. That's, in reality, five turnovers. A punt block like that, and both of those punts that were blocked maybe went, what, 10 to 20 yards? Those are turnovers. That's a field position turnover. Inter- two interceptions and uh, a gyro, fumble, uh, a gyro um, 
Brock fumble on the goal line. That is five turnovers in reality, in my opinion, for Iowa State. Iowa had one interception, and they too had a goal line fumble of their own with Monty Potterbaum. Watched the game with my parents, and my dad asked me before the Potterbaum fumble, what play's coming up next? I said, they're going to dive it to Potterbaum. They did. Did he get in? Did the ball cross the goal line before it popped out? Maybe. Was this the greatest day I've ever seen an officiating crew have? Probably not. But none of those things is the reason why Iowa lost this game. Iowa lost this game because their offense would be insulting to a 1930s college football fan. I'm guessing that Niall Kinnick offense was probably more, a lot more fun to watch than what this is. I'm not guessing. I guarantee it. This is not fun. And there is a part of me somewhere in the back of my mind that wonders, you know, am I whining too much? Am I complaining too much? Am I not entertained? No, I'm not entertained. But this is... This is Julian Vandervelde was an offensive lineman for the Iowa Hawkeyes many moons ago. Uh, Quad Cities kid, played in the Little League World Series, ran a little smack talk the week of the Iowa-Iowa State game that certainly Kirk Ferentz didn't like, little bulletin board material. Julian Vandervelde, very, and also a very smart person, not a knee-jerk reactionary person in, in my experience, just observing him on Twitter. He tweeted after the game, this offense is a thief of joy, which is so well put. It is devoid of hope and sucks the love of football from my bones. Our defense and special teams deserve better. Our offense did not deserve even the opportunity to win. I want to be positive and supportive, but it's very, very difficult. End tweet quote from Julian Vandervelde. I suspect he speaks for a number of people. Um, that certainly sums up very nicely how I feel. Um, reading some post-game articles, my colossus of the Cedar Rapids Gazette was, scathing might be too strong a word, but he, I think, was more than appropriately critical. Chad Lystico, also not a knee-jerk reactionary person in my experience, was pointedly critical of Kirk Ferentz in his post-game column, blaming Kirk for the loss, said that that loss has to be pinned squarely on Ference's back. That's a quote from Chad's column. We can spend time, probably will at some juncture this week, saying that Ference should have pulled Spencer Petrus in this game. Some of you would say that Ference shouldn't have started Spencer Petrus at all in this game. But certainly at halftime, I felt there was a pretty decent chance, and justifiably so, that a quarterback change would be made for the second half. It didn't happen. Again, Lucy pulled that football away from me again. And I've written this and said this. I think that Kirk is putting Spencer in a really bad position, someone that he clearly has a, a high degree of respect for. 
Spencer's not capable. And we saw that a good deal of last year. We're seeing it this year. But this isn't a vacuum. Quarterback is not a position. Well, none of football is played in a scientific vacuum. But quarterback, hypothetically, certainly is not. This offensive line is in trouble. They were not... They were not average to the Iowa standard a year ago with the best center in school history and one of the best in the Big Ten in the last quarter century, if not longer. And they're worse this year. Well, John, of course they'd be worse without Tyler Linderbaum. But they had a number of offensive linemen see a lot of action last year young it is still a very young line there's no denying that but the reality is that they are struggling mightily in two games yes traditionally it has been a developmental program likely still is but they are starting from if not the basement certainly the lower level of a split foyer this is not good, and there are no quick fixes other than just experience and some gelling. I don't know what the ceiling is for this year's offensive line. I have no idea, but I'm concerned that it won't be up to the Iowa average standard, just as was the case last year when it wasn't. In last year's Iowa offense averaged just over 300 yards per game which was 121st out of 130 college programs in FBS. After a 166-yard performance against South Dakota State and a 150-yard performance against Iowa State, Iowa would need to average 333 yards per game over their next 10 games to get to about 303.8 yards per game, which is what they were last year. And last year was an Iowa historically bad offense. What Iowa is doing this year in two games, this is an FBS Power 5 level historically bad start. This just isn't like rough. This is historically bad. Bad, bad. And this is on Kirk Ferentz's shoulders. I have respect for Kirk Ferentz. I think he probably deserves a statue or some type of uh, monument when his coaching era comes to an end. Not just because of the success that Iowa has had on the field, but also his philanthropic work. This isn't a personal thing. I don't like any of this, but it's just me calling a spade a spade. Kirk Ferentz is the one that chooses to run the style and type of offense that Iowa has. It's his call. These are things I've been saying since I used to do sound off with Jim Zobel. And Jim and I last shared a microphone in 2012. And these are things I was saying in 2007 and 2008 that don't get mad at Ken O'Keefe. I mean, Ken is just employing the type of offense that Kirk wants. Can Brian do better? Sure. 
Do I think Brian is as bad as what this offense looks like? Absolutely not. I do not think that. I think Brian is hand, hamstrung and handcuffed the way that most every other Iowa coordinator has been in the Kirk Ferentz era. This is archaic, and this is ossified, and this feels a lot like somebody who has a lifetime of security already built up, who has one of the most client-favorable contracts in the sport relative to the value of the buyout. This is somebody who's a made man and just, you know, knows he's not going to get fired. He's, but he's doing what he's always done. So this isn't just all of a sudden him, you know, turning heel and saying, well, I'm going to do this now because, you know, I'm, I've got basically lifetime tenure here. I'll just do what I want. This is how he wants to play offense. Not as poorly as what I was doing. I'm not saying that. But the, the philosophy, the style, the approach, the commitment, continued commitment to the zone blocking scheme that good programs are figured, figuring out and have for a while now. I mean, Wisconsin, they've, they've had this thing figured out for a number of years. But against all of these things, I know it's contrasted by the fact that over the last five years, Iowa has, what, the seventh most wins of any Power 5 program before the start of this season. And I know that sports is a bottom-line win-loss results game. So for anyone that feels, again, that, John, this is just about the wins and style points don't matter, okay, okay. But they do to me. And this is my podcast episode, so this is me bloviating. It matters to me. I'm not entertained. I'm, I'm rapidly losing interest. And when I say that my fandom is beginning to feel compulsory, it's almost like I, I'm, I'm, I'm tuning in and watching these games out of tradition, out of, well, this is what I've always done, and, and this is a, this, the athletic programs that I have cheered for and developed a, you know, a a relationship with through my fandom, the way that we all have that through our fandom. So I'm, I'm, I'm tuning in to watch now because that's just what I do. But my gosh, it's, it's, it's not an escape. Sports are oftentimes an escape from reality and it's a pastime and it's entertainment. This is not entertainment. Gosh, at times it feels like punishment. And I don't think that there is a light switch fix this year. I think unless this offensive line matures rather miraculously, which I guess isn't impossible... If that happens, if this offensive line can make amazing strides over the next 13 days before they play Rutgers, I think, okay, that'd be great. Nevada's not great, but right now, 
I mean, Iowa gained 166 yards against South Dakota State. I, what are you expecting? Are you expecting all of a sudden to put up a 400 on the board against Nevada? I'm not. I don't think that Alex Padilla is probably an answer either. We saw him for a, a decent amount of time last year playing behind that same offensive line that that Petrus was struggling behind the second half of last season. But at least Padilla can keep plays alive and drives alive potentially with his feet, something that although Petrus did it against Iowa State once, that is not his inclination. That is not his first move. That is an afterthought. And even on that scramble that he did gain a first down, he probably stayed in the pocket a half to a full second longer than he should have, and it was very fortunate that he was able to get out and run. Now, I hope that I'm not putting you all to sleep listening to this the way that I've put both my parents to sleep and the snoring is beginning to happen. But, you know, it's that kind of, uh, it's that kind of feeling right now. Petrus, 12 of 26 for 92 yards. No, no touchdowns and one interceptions. Um, a rating of 68.2, which is better than 1.1 that he had last week. Um, Sean Williams looked really good for periods of time in that game. But at the end of the day, Iowa State was basically doing what I would do, and I've said this for a number of years, if I was a defensive coordinator. I'd put eight people in the box. I'd bring blitzes from, you know, not the same place every play, but I'd, just, I'd bring blitzes from all over the field over the course of the game. And I would play Iowa in man-to-man coverage until they beat me continuously. Okay, you get 25-yard seam route to, you know, whatever iteration of Iowa's all-conference tight end it is this year. Great. You get 25 yards. You're going to probably be, you know, punting a plus 50 punt to me here before long anyway. I can live with that because you typically don't have receivers that can beat me deep and score on one big play if I'm aggressive. Iowa doesn't and seemingly is incapable of punishing aggressive defensive opponents. They were against Iowa State this day. Iowa State blitzed. They took away the run game, and they said, okay, okay, Iowa, beat us through the air. Mm -hmm. And that did not happen. That did not happen. Not even close. Iowa's average yards per play today was 2.9. Iowa gained 100 and 50 yards. Iowa State's first opponent, Southeast Missouri State, not a great program. 1AA, FCS, whatever you want to call it, not a great program. They gained 247 yards against Iowa State. Oh, that was in the first half. Iowa gained 150 total yards. It's broken. I don't know that it's fixable this year and frankly I don't know that it's fixable period and Iowa has five more home games all of them sold out and I respect the fact that y'all love tailgating and that's great you if you derive joy from that do it life is too short that said it'll be interesting to see if there are empty seats moving forward now they're sold they're sold but I got to think some people are like, boy, 
I like tailgating and all, but you know what? This is a game on this day that one of my kids has something else going on. I was planning on missing that, but I'm not going to miss that now. There'll be some decisions being made. I do think, and Chris Williams and I will talk more about this later in the week, I do think Kirk Ferentz is going to make a quarterback change. We will see. I don't know if you heard that. My dad said in the background, I don't. Um, We will see if that hypothetical change will have a meaningful impact on the trajectory of this offense. To me, it's it's not all on Spencer. You know, when I say it's not all on Spencer, Spencer Petras is just going out. The coaches are saying, hey, you're our starter. What's he supposed to do, quit? No, he's not going to quit. He's not. He's going out there. They called his name. He goes out there. So please, if you haven't made the switch yet, get rid of any animosity you have towards Spencer Petrus. Spencer is just doing what he's asked to do, even though it appears that he's incapable of doing it. At that juncture, you look at the decision makers, and that's where you point your fingers. I don't know if Padilla is just pressing too much in practice because he's trying to impress the coaches, trying to win a starting job. He's taking more chances. That's what happened a lot with Rudock and CJB. But unfortunately, this is not a Rudock or CJB situation either. Jake Rudock was in the NFL for a cup of coffee. CJB is still in the NFL. I suspect that neither Spencer Petras nor Alex Padilla will be playing in the NFL. It's not a Christensen Stanzi. It's not a Rudock Bethard. It is a whole lot of trouble. And it is not fun. And as Forrest Gump once said, that's about all I have to say about that. Iowa everywhere.